Welcome, one and all, to episode 17 of the Scum and Villainy Podcast, a weekly Star Wars podcast. We break down the latest and the greatest in Star Wars news. I am your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat, Noah to George. Wow, end of a long day, capping it with some uh, Oh my God, the some recording. Day. The longest day. Yeah, just been a, oh, an absolute whirlwind of a day, let me tell you. Yeah. A monsoon, if, a monsoon you, if you will. <laughs> An absolute uh, hive of cicadas, one might say. Of a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that an inside joke? Uh, we'll never tell. Uh, but truth be told, super long day, but being able to just wind down, talk about some Star Wars stuff with your pal. It's great. It's this will stuff. also be the last time that you and I will be recording in person for a little bit. I don't want to think about it, but well, you I just it said it. I just said it just now. So no tears are flowing here on the podcast. But yes, I will be uh, moving soon uh, to the, the, the Sunshine State um, and we'll be recording remotely from here on out. So hopefully the audio sounds still good. <laughs> I think it'll. I think we'll be able to work work a little bit better, probably. Yeah, because yeah. you know, technical difficulties aside, being you know in our own little isolated space, we don't have the bleed over like we probably do now because recording situations are unique and different. Because I don't have an apartment anymore. <laughs> yeah, and mine's I'm full homeless. Of, mine's full of junk now because you know uh, I can't you also unpack. just moved. Yeah, yeah so it's we're, been we're actually wild. recording on the street. <laughs> we're each in our own respective boxes. Well, I mean, we almost had to record "quote unquote" outdoors because yeah. <laughs> there was there was just too much cicada the, noise. The window AC unit had to go, so we could not feel like we were in a like a it, a, a bug, you know, little uh, nursery or something. Yeah, like it's been a it's been a, a process to get where we are, but now we're here and we're going to talk about Star Wars. That's right. We're better for it. Uh, builds character, but we actually do have a lot to talk about this week. Um, despite the fact that we are recording a bit earlier, uh, we do have some news to discuss. Yeah, like, there's, there's bits. There's bits. If we got one thing, it's bits. Let me tell you, uh, we're like a like a like a like a box of drill bits. We, we got, got so many bits in sizes here. Of bits in here. You like you look at it and there's like a square shaped bit, and you're like, I'm for? never gonna use that. You throw but, it away, and then you build and then some you need like, weird chair at IKEA, and it's like you know that square thing that you threw away two years ago. You're gonna need that. Yeah, <laughs> Damn it, the Allen wrenches. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, but we've got some new details on the book of Boba Fett. We've got some new images uh, and details regarding Mr. Uh, Hayden Christensen and his return as Darth Vader. We've got a new look, hot off the press, of some Star Wars Visions apparel. Uh, we've also got, uh, we're going to do a little retrospective uh, look back on the Star Wars special editions as they celebrate their birthday. And to cap it all off, we are going to have a deep dive on cameos slash recurring characters and new Star Wars media. When does it work? When does it not work? When, what's the difference between the two of those? I've got thoughts. I've also got thoughts. I'm excited to talk about that. But as promised, time codes in the description. You can look down there. They'll be there. I promise you that. They are always there. I cannot promise many things, but time codes in the description, that's one of them. <laughs> Garrett's not a trustworthy man, but there, if there's one thing. You're guaranteed three things in life, death, <laughs> taxes, and time codes in the description. Nice. <laughs> uh, but speaking of promises, Robert Rodriguez is promising that the book of Boba Fett will, quote, blow your little mind. He didn't say little, but your little tiny Star Wars mind. Gonna I'm just imagining later. how Zack Snyder talks about the Snyder Cut before <laughs> it came out, and he's like, "You don't even know. You don't even know what you're about to witness." And it did. It blew all of our minds, sure, for better or worse. Sure, yeah. 
<laughs> but this article comes from a collider. It's Mr. Steve Weintraub, who recently had the opportunity to chat with Robert Rodriguez about the upcoming series, uh, which will premiere on Disney Plus this December. Uh, and Weintraub asked Rodriguez uh, what fans can expect from the series, and he said this. Uh, it was a long article. You can check it out yourself. But this uh, little portion here I thought was interesting. A lot of the other stuff also interesting, but it's more about kind of the technical side of the right. volume, which is totally of merit. Could be a, an entire episode on its own. But what made me uh, kind of you know perk my little my little ears up, your little Star Wars senses, my little uh, Vulcan ears. Oh wait a minute, wrong podcast. Wait, yeah, whoops. <laughs> sorry, I'll edit that out. <laughs> he said, "I can't say anything about it all right now, but it's coming out in December." Wait until you see what's coming. It's going to blow your mind. That's all I can say. I can talk it up all I want because I know it over delivers. It way over delivers. People are going to be so pumped when they see it. So Noah, are you so pumped to hear this from Mr. Bob Rodriguez? I mean, there's a lot of things that we could talk about. Firstly, we, we talked last week about the Disney Gallery mm -hmm. uh, Mandalorian stuff. And I had mentioned, I think a few weeks ago, that I had not seen any of season one of the Mandalorian Disney Gallery, mostly because I remember seeing a clip of Robert Rodriguez. Have Robert you gone back and watched it? I've not. No. Um, I remember sure. seeing a clip of Robert Rodriguez playing guitar for Grogu. Uh, That's season two. Is it season two? Season two. Well, he directed the Oh, he directed episode, the episode the, in season the, two. The tragedy, I believe, is what okay. it's titled. But yeah, season two, the Disney Gallery. Never mind. My point is moot. Oh. That's it. Okay. But, but what about the guitar? Were you were you you were swayed away from no i was i was like well a little bit i was just like this is so like corny and also that episode specifically is my least favorite um i would agree and hot take like i on scum and villainy right that's why we're so scum and villainous because we've got scummy that, and that, we're so scummy over here because <laughs> of that one take <laughs> but like if i'm thinking about robert rodriguez i think immediately about spy kids more than i do about the mandalorian and not only that but also we can be heroes which came out on netflix recently and Ooh, i haven't watched it uh, are you a fan no i don't think you should oh, I've, okay, I've not well. seen it either it's like the sequel to shark boy and lava girl Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah, it's we called We Can Be Heroes. We Can like Be the Heroes. David, I mean, it's the David Bowie lyric, I suppose. Yes. Um, oh. But it's like really, really goofy and very much for kids. But Pedro Pascal is also in it. Um, is he Shark Boy and or Lava Girl? He's Shark Boy, yes. He is? Yeah. Cool. He's like older Taylor Lautner. Oh, man. Old old man Shark Boy. <laughs> Here's the thing. After the podcast, I'll show you the trailer. You're going to vomit. Can't it's wait. horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> Thank you for not doing it live. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need that. to have to be subjected to that. So that's what I think of when I think of Robert Rodriguez, which is sad because it's like, okay, you know, I understand that he has done other things and is an accomplished filmmaker outside yeah. of... Spy Kids and Shark Boy and Lava Girl. I'll ask you this: Have you seen that other those other things, or is is Spy Kids mostly what you think of, just because that's primarily what you've been exposed to? Um, I would say the latter, but yes, I've seen other works of Robert Rodriguez, but it doesn't mm -hmm. strike me as like, oh, this is all under the same umbrella. Sure. So that's hard for me to get behind the Book of Boba Fett, just for that reason alone, because I really dislike the directing of that of the tragedy that mm -hmm. episode. Sure. Um, I think beyond it doesn't work for you. It doesn't. It really yeah. doesn't. Yeah. It works for some people, but I think it lends Obviously, itself. Yeah. Yes. It lends itself to that idea of the book of Boba Fett where it's like, oh, it's it's gonna be so cool. It's gonna be so awesome yeah. and so dope. It's gonna be dope as shit, dude. And like <laughs> that's and, actually the other the next quote that I have yeah. there. He says it's gonna be dope as shit, dude. Um <laughs> that's, that's what it makes me feel like. And we we talk kind of about those like people that 
love Boba Fett yeah. are like the ones the, that are like, the oh, reasons it's why. just so cool. Yeah. And like, okay, so yeah. I'm expecting this to be really superficial, very cool, and not very substantive at all. Sure. Um, so when you hear these comments, I, I will say, I guess that's where my mind goes is in hearing this versus what we heard about the Kenobi series. And yeah. they were calling that like an indie movie almost. And that, the you know, hearing that quote versus hearing this, it really describes to me two vastly different shows where you have one that seems a little bit more contemplative, thoughtful, not only in the direction style, but in, you know, maybe some of the scenes to where yeah. it's mostly dialogue based and, and things like that, which I understand Boba Fett, man, a few words, I get it. And we talk about like being a cool person, definitely fair. My favorite character is Darth Maul, mm -hmm. not just because he's cool, but the power of cool in Star Wars is very real. Oh yeah. <laughs> you have a guy who has knee darts and, you know, can as a flamethrower and a jetpack and you know, wears a cowboy hat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, you're just talking about Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> no, I was <laughs> talking, talking about, about Cad Bane. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's enough about Cad Bane. Let's go to yeah, Boba Fett. But no, I, I, my, my excitement for this show is, is when I think of what interests me about the show, it's more of the things of like diving into the, the psyche and the character of Boba Fett. How has he changed? How has this time in the Sarlacc pit evolved him? How does he still view his father and, you know, his death from the hands of the Jedi? How has that changed him? You know, does he, what's this power grab in the universe like at this time now that, you know, job is out of the picture? That's interesting to me. Yeah. Having yeah. all of these different crime syndicates kind of going into this, you know, power vacuum here. That's really interesting to me. Do you think that the storytellers there care an, like an equal amount about that kind of setting yeah. more, more than just how can we make this show as cool as possible? Well, I think Robert Rodriguez is a filmmaker that he's so visual and visceral and just some of the things that I've seen from him, I'm not going to act like I've seen his entire filmography, but having seen, you know, Desperado and Spy Kids and the Machete movies and things yeah. like that, there is a wide range. And, uh, I believe, um, he did one of the Grindhouse movies, I think. Uh, crazy, the yes. Planet Terror. Am I crazy, or did he, he did Planet? I Terror. believe so. The viewers are screaming at me, either yes or no, right now. Regardless, I've seen I've seen more of his works other than just the Spy Kid, Shark Boy, Lava Girl of it all. And I think it's interesting that even in both of those movies, he is such a visual filmmaker. And even as a kid. You, you know, you go back and look at it now, but when you were a kid watching Shark Boy and Lava Girl, which I did in theaters in 3D, by the way, mind you, nice. I was a man of culture, even at a, at a young age, <laughs> those kind of things, it's just like this weird tapping right into your optic nerves and just like having a stranglehold on them. I think that's a good, that's a good way of putting it. And I think that that's not necessarily a bad thing. But when I think of what brings me back to the book of Boba Fett, when I think of those things, it's when I think of his films and his sensibilities, it's not necessarily like these really calculated character study kind of things. And I, I understand, <clears throat> I understand that if one is to watch a Boba Fett show, they're going to want to see those cool things and those, you know, things that you would expect to see out of a character who you know, for a lot of people literally was an action figure and someone who popped up in a few movies and said less than 10 words, you know, and then kind of was the cool kind of strong, silent, you know, uh, 
yeah, Clint Eastwood type yeah. man with no name and kind of, you know, just kind of rode through town and then peaced out. You know, like I understand there's a whole generation of people who view him as that action figure and they want to see that action figure realized. Um, but for myself, someone who didn't grow up with Boba Fett like that, like Boba Fett just never was one of my favorite characters. I much prefer Jango Fett, to be honest. Um, these comments don't sway me in a way that's like, you know what, this has really given me like maybe this show will have a bit of a different flavor. I'm going to go into it with an open mind for sure. And it's new star Wars. I'm going to be excited to watch it regardless. But when I, when I hear this quote and it's talking about blowing fans minds and over delivering to me, it just makes me think back on that episode where, you know, he is kind of just this rolls up and you, you hear the guitar riff as he, yeah. like, you know, punches some guy in the gut with a rocket, which, you know, is cool of course right but when i breaking helmets and such totally you know? and that you know that scene is definitely i understand that the the spot that that fulfills for a lot of people and a lot of fans but for myself and we can you know maybe get into it for a different episode or maybe talk about that episode specifically before the book of Boba Fett. that might be interesting but for myself when i saw that first pilot and saw boba fett on tatooine i was like oh man that's really interesting you're gonna have because we, we already kind of knew uh, bo katan was going to be in it being able to see these different kind of sides of the mandalorian creed and yeah. like, having this kind of battle for din Djarin's soul i thought that that was going to be really interesting but even though there's shades of that it's just kind of boba fett being like hey i'll help you out for a little bit thanks for my armor all right peace out i'm gonna go do my other show and I was just, I, I was hoping for a little bit more um, and I was a little disappointed, but all that to say, I think these quotes don't tell me anything that I wouldn't expect to see or hear from a Boba Fett TV show for better or worse, to be honest. Yeah, no, it, it kind of fits right into, I think, the initial expectations as well. Um, again, if expectations beyond that are going to be blown out of the water, so to speak, then it's like, okay, yeah. then... I guess we're just getting more of what I figured it was already going to be. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. I'm obviously, you know, interested to see what they do with it. And I'm curious to see what they do with it. And I would love to be surprised. Yeah. Because as someone who, you know, didn't, as I said, isn't the biggest Boba Fett fan in the world. And if anything, sometimes when I see him pop up in comics and TV shows and things like that, I'm a little bit like, oh, okay, you know. Like we've talked about recently. Yeah. yeah. And I would love to see a show that makes me go, oh, that's interesting. That makes me like them even more. Yeah. I'm totally open to that. Oh, absolutely. Um, other than that, not terribly swayed, but I do have another story here about uh, an iconic character returning in an upcoming Disney Plus TV show. This time, a little guy by the name of Darth Vader. You wow. may have heard of him. He's like, uh, isn't he... Uh the most evil man in the galaxy and whatnot. One might say one may, a few of them might've said there's, that there's also plenty of evil people. So you, that's true. You really have pick of the litter here. Uh, but this particular one, the, the actor that's portraying them, his name is Hayden Christensen. He was also in a couple other star Wars movie, played this guy named Anakin Skywalker. Oh really? But Kathleen Kennedy, when they were talking about that investor meeting announced that Anakin would, uh, Hayden Christensen would return as Darth Vader for the rematch of the century. Now, this series has been filming in L.A. since April, and a Star Wars news net has some exclusive images and details regarding the return of Darth Vader, 
which may offer an explanation on why Hayden Christensen is coming back specifically. And this article really brings up an interesting point about talking about the stunt performers that portray Darth Vader in Rogue One and why wouldn't someone like that, maybe not those actors specifically or those stunt performers specifically, but why Hayden specifically? Right. It can't just be to put him in the mask in and suit, that's kind of it. Right. We kind of expect to see under the mask a little bit. And his that's face exactly, is what is important. Have, that, have you seen his face? I mean, you kidding me? That's the moneymaker right It there. is the moneymaker. <laughs> Seen him recently. Actually, I know he yeah. was just like a a, a, a brief dis- a little skip away, a, yeah. a, a stone's throw away, and and he's still got it. He still I'm got gonna it. Say it. Yeah. I'm gonna say it. He's Made still got a heart flutter. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this ar- article actually does provide some looks at some uh, concept art as well as some artist renderings of um, things that have been seen on set. So none of this is necessarily confirmed. Um, but some of these things are actual concept art that, you know, may or may not have made it past the concept art stage, uh, as well as just some, you know, this is what we saw and this is kind of what it looks like. So I've got these uh, images attached here out of the three that I have attached. Um, the first is we have a picture of which clearly Hayden Christensen um, attached to all this gear with various kind of plugs and wounds and things like that attached to him. Another one is this back to tank. And the other one is kind of this rebreather kind of mask situation. All of it is very similar to what we also saw in very, uh, one. It's a very winter soldier looking kind mm. of deal with the respirator like, as a mask. Yeah. It's very cool. I, I Yeah, I, I guess that's my first question here. When you see these types of things, one, does it surprise you that we would be getting this type of look for Darth Vader? And two, um, if we are getting this type of look, is this kind of what you want to see? Um, I've, I'm so in the middle with with all of those questions, only because I like it's it's obvious that Hayden Christensen being there is important for the story of Obi Wan mm-hmm. um, to know that that Anakin as Anakin, well Anakin as Vader, right, is going to make an appearance. And Hayden Christensen as Vader, obviously. Yeah. Um, so it lends me to think, okay, I would love to see some material of Obi-Wan remembering him as Anakin. Um, all of this then says, you know, that we're going to be maybe even seeing him as Vader yeah. in, you know, for more than just a, a short little bit. Yeah. Um, but that I will say that does make me nervous because I want to, I think I want to believe that Obi-Wan has been safe on Tatooine for a very long time. And it, it would be a stretch for me to be like, okay, so at some point they had another confrontation and then Darth Vader lost him again. He was just like, yeah. oh, man, I should have, oh, I should have kept track of him better. Oh, I keep doing this. Like, yeah. When, uh, a lot of people have talked about some some lines and you know uh, a new hope specifically where they talk about you know uh when i saw you know him last he, he thought as you did obi-wan thought as you did and or uh you know those those types of lines that would kind of hint at something maybe not seen um when you watch the prequel films you're like okay yeah. when exactly did obi-wan feel that way so being able to explore those areas i think is interesting to me but again the the idea of having hayden christensen back specifically you're not going to just throw a mask on him and be like, all right, that's a done done day. I think you're going to want to utilize him to the fullest. And I think when I see this, to me, 
I think uh, where Obi-Wan is at mentally right now, he's in this desert by himself, just kind of dealing with his own failures potentially. Um, right. And that's what I was going to say is you, you don't get, you don't get the emotional uh, impact of Obi-Wan without Anakin in the state that he is in. Yeah. It'll be this really yeah. nice kind of visual, you know, um, kind of uh, reasons or the, the, the show playing its case up, uh, uh, saying its case a little bit yes. of showing Anakin in the state saying like, and uh, Obi-Wan has all of this guilt for what he did, not just for what he saw in Revenge of the Sith, but, you know, this is why he has all this guilt, this guilt. And we've also talked about the appeal of having some flashbacks to the Clone Wars, seeing this young, vibrant person and this, you know, really promising Jedi turned into this monster and this mm -hmm. Frankenstein's monster. That's really interesting to me. And I think it'll just be really effective to see someone. I mean, we get glimpses of vader under the mask in rogue one which apparently this article talks about that was a mannequin it wasn't like a person it was like a a prosthetic whole being i thought nice. that, that was interesting i was like hey man movie making magic <laughs> they can do anything nowadays but seeing that you know you don't really get a good look at the eyes and, and things like that and even just in like star wars rebels when you get a crack under that and you get matt oh, lantern yeah. and you know saying ahsoka it's so powerful because you're getting this person in this portrayal of someone who particularly with Aiden, with Hayden, you've, you've been with this actor portraying this character for such a long time and to see the horror of, you know, what has actually happened to them. I think we'll just really emphasize yeah. the battle of for Obi-Wan's kind of soul that he's going through right now. I think that's probably one of the most interesting things to me is um, knowing that, there is there is a version of Anakin that people think of, right? And 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 you and I are, I would say, like blessed enough to have two Anakins, you know, in yeah. in Hayden Christensen and Matt Lantern, right? Because they are they're both completely different performances, mm -hmm. and they both have evolved a lot. Yeah, and um, I guess three if you want to count Jake Lloyd, but. Nobody talks to him anymore. Or if you if you're referring to that actor who was in the original Star Wars with That's the eyebrows true. that they cut out, you know, <laughs> four. <laughs> so I guess um, so we're so blessed. Yeah, <laughs> so we're so many Anakin's. So blessed. Um, but some people some people don't have Matt Lantern as their like as their version of Anakin. However, um, there's a lot in Clone Wars that kind of melds the two together in a way that like is like okay, so I have this picture of Anakin. I would say the most interesting thing to me is is revisiting something that is so solid and set in stone as Hayden Christensen's performance in episode two and three. Yeah. And knowing what that is and having such a clear picture of what that is and then seeing maybe a different version. If if I mean if Hayden Christensen has learned anything, it's that um anybody will rag on you for anything sure. based on had a tough go at it, anything sure. about your performance. Yeah. And, and he's, he is definitely someone that's been under scrutiny for that and has, you know, kind of suffered the Hollywood consequences. Yeah. It's not a secret to anybody, but knowing that there's this clamor for, for Hayden to be back is like, okay, are we going to get the same performance? Are we going to get a similar performance to what we saw last with him? Or are we going to get something more fleshed out, more interesting, more whatever. Yeah. Well, I think with the very idea of having Hayden return under the direction of someone else with Deborah Chow in the show, I think that that lends to Anakin 
being portrayed in a different way. Not only because Hayden is older, he's had this time to reflect on, you know, his performance and, and you know, how scrutinized that has been over the years. Yeah. Um, and I think Hayden, I think he's a talented actor and he's been open as well as some other people have been open about George isn't really an act, a director that really focuses on performance a whole lot. Right. And when you have someone who, you know, maybe wanted or kind of wished they had a bit more direction, like, like uh, Hayden may have felt, you know, it, it's understandable how the performance can come out a little wooden. And that's been a, a complaint of fans for a very long time. And I think, Hayden being able to come back. I don't think we're going to get a lot of time with him as a younger Anakin, right. probably de-aged if that's the case as well. But I think him playing this broken person, for me, it's all going to be in the eyes because yeah. that is really, yeah. I don't think Vader's really just going to be, you know, shooting the shit as, without as yellow the, as they are. Those eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's going to be like really super talkative by himself when he's thinking of this whole thing. So I think a lot of that is going to be in the soul. You know, when you, when you look back at rebels and that fight with Ahsoka, you know, you get a, a glimpse of his eyes and or, uh, it's clone Wars season seven when you can kind of see his eyes through the mask. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, you really get a, a picture of, you know, that's the Anakin that we're still, that's still there that Luke saw in, in him. And I think that that's going to be the, the key thing to me versus the way he says i don't like sand you know what i mean right. like it's kind of right. stuff that you can poke at for a long time but i love the idea that we could be getting images of uh, the, the man under the mask because that is what is if we're going to explore this and talking about the power of cool darth vader is a very you know cool character uh even george would say maybe too cool you know <laughs> for like maybe they made him a little bit too cool we outdid and ourselves here he really did and i i think a show that is bringing back darth vader and when a lot of people point to rogue one and the hallway scene for being like that's my favorite star wars scene in the past 25 years uh, for myself i want a little bit more of the soul and the emotion of this especially if you're going to focus on the the yin to darth vader's yang with 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 obi-wan you yeah. know that's that's the soul of this is this relationship between the two of them and i would hate for hayden to be stuck behind some mask the whole show and you know some stunt guy comes in and does some cool lightsaber stuff and that's of kind of the end of it for me the 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 soul of these two is what's important to me and i think hayden having this time to reflect on this and also being older I think that that's really going to influence his performance, and I honestly can't wait to see it. I can't wait either. 100%. So you guys can, uh, are more than welcome to hop on to Star Wars Newsnet. Please do. These uh, renderings are definitely interesting here, um, and I'll probably also attach them in the video as well. But if you want to get a closer look at them, please go to StarWarsNewsNet.com. they got a lot of great stuff there. And speaking of great stuff, Noah. Great stuff. What would you say are things that you like need in life? Some would say... Food, food, shelter, shelter water, water, sex. things like that. That's whoa, it. whoa, <laughs> that's that's like isn't what was that, that last one? <laughs> isn't that like a psychological like that's like the pyramid where it's like you have to have those four things. Well, to, yeah, to make more humans, I would say that that's also the thing. But okay, there's also another little sliver right there next to the to the water, and it's Star Wars merch. And Star Wars merch, <laughs> yeah. specifically Star Wars Visions merch, because 
just announced today, actually, oh, and I was right before I came to, to came to visit, sent you this link from StarWars.com, and they announced that their first official Star Wars Visions apparel, uh, as well as some upcoming merchandise, all inspired by the upcoming Disney Plus anime anthology series, are available now. The uh, collection that's available now is on Amazon.com, and it comes to us from uh, Fifth Sons. Uh, in addition to that, Heroes and Villains will also be revealing its own Star Wars Visions apparel, uh, later this month and Noah if you want some collectibles if you're not really feeling the t-shirts or the uh-huh, socks uh-huh. you can go to Target at a later date and get some of your Star Wars Visions collectibles what kind of collectibles we don't know yet okay so probably some Funko Pops yeah of course probably some maybe a, maybe a plush or two I could I could go for maybe like a poster or something that'd be cool that'd be cool so let me ask you that We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. Yes. But when you when you saw some of these T-shirts and you and you saw what is available now on Amazon and well, you know the idea of what can come later, were you thrilled to see something like this? Or I, I would like, say yes. Yeah, I'll pass. No, I, I would say yes um, because my first thought was um, it looked so box lunch to me. Okay. And and I love box lunch as a store. Um, however, the things that they have done with melding together um, IPs with different styles mm-hmm. is like uh, sometimes it's on the nose. Sometimes it's way too much. Sometimes it's very confusing and other times it's very lame. Um, but I get the idea of this kind of crossbreed of IPs with, with new styles. However, seeing this new visions merch, knowing that it's just, so officially licensed and so like officially designed boy howdy does it look it it looks good like this is some good stuff there's some really good stuff and the designs are they are borderline like top tier i was i was trying to look on i know these like as i said pretty brand new so i was going on amazon i couldn't quite find some of the apparel but they've attached some images on uh, starwars.com yeah some of these shirts are pretty freaking cool. That twin one. Tw- I was literally just about to say the, the awesome. twins. My goodness. It, it is very reminiscent of like kind of almost a late seventies, early eighties style vintage star Wars like design. Yeah. Um, and it has like, it feels to me and maybe it's just the Japanese inspiration, but it feels to me very Nintendo kind of like eighties retro game. I could see that. Esque. Yeah. Um, for, for a few of those. Um, but I think, I think the design overall is like, it's super, super solid. It's very clear in, in what it's portraying. It's not just you go to box lunch and you pick up a star Wars poster shirt, but everything is kind of like a samurai film poster. Yeah. Or like Which is a, something that's been, a, they have action figures and that's kind of yeah. been a thing for a while. Right. But it's cool to see this specific thing, this episode referenced in these, in these shirts. Because I didn't really know if we were going to get any merch or let alone like collectibles and things like that. And the fact that we could be getting T-shirts and and maybe a Funko Pop or two. Right. Maybe a, maybe a you know, vintage figure, a little three and three quarter. If I can get that guy that's got the umbrella lightsaber. Oh, oh man, that's going on the shelf. Dude, it's over. Me? It it's is right there. Over. If, I can, too. if I can get Toby, it's oh, over. Dude, a little Toby Funko. It is a little over. Toby, uh, a little enamel pen or something like that. I love that. Yeah, I think... Um, as I've gotten older, I the Star Wars shirts that I really are interested in getting are ones that showcase 
corners of the fandom that I really like or I'm passionate about. It's yeah. not just a shirt that just has like, you know, an X-Wing on it or something like that. Nothing wrong with that. Or a schematic of a Millennium Falcon. Or a Mini Emotions of Darth Vader shirt. You know. You know? Uh, as popular as those shirts are, when I wear a Star Wars shirt, I want it to communicate a specific thing about my fandom. Yeah. And if I saw someone with a Star Wars Vision shirt, to me, I feel like there's already that shared language there versus someone who's wearing a shirt that represents something maybe a bit more popular, like a Grogu or something like yeah. that. I'm not going to assume that someone who's wearing a Grogu shirt is like, you know, all in on Star Wars. It's great to see that kind of merch popular, especially with Grogu. That stuff is, you know, freaking everywhere. But a Star Wars Vision shirt, which by all accounts is probably not going to be a show that's as popular as The Mandalorian. If it is, fantastic. Um, but, but, they're pushing, but they're pushing merch. That's like, yeah, that's, that's a good big. sign. Yeah, yeah that's I exciting. And considering I, you know, I, I'm still holding my breath for some more High Republic stuff. There are t-shirts out there, but not really any figures at the moment. This makes me be like, oh, there's... There's still hope. There's light <laughs> at the end of the tunnel. Hope. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really thrilled to see the fact that, you know, this this show is getting pushed by them and getting t-shirts. And I don't know about you. I'm buying one. I, I definitely, I agree with you there with the kind of, you know, displaying displaying your corner of the fandom. Yeah. Um, and I like, I remember I very specifically picked um, what we wore to Star Wars Celebration and what I bought at yeah. Star Wars Celebration. As did I. And like the, the Ahsoka shirt that I bought, um, there, yeah. like the, the long sleeve with right, the, right. with the, the her universe one. Yeah. Oh my word. Like right. I can wear that and be like, you know, I'm, I know what I'm displaying wearing this and it's not, it, you know, it, it isn't a sign that says I like star Wars. Yeah. It's something that like, I walked past a collectible shop at a mall wearing that shirt and a guy like was like, were you at celebration? And I was yeah. like, yeah, I was yeah, at celebration. It's cool to have that kind of shared, you know. Yeah. 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 So like, I, I totally get that. And it, and it is partly one of those things that's like, well, yes, it's one of the biggest pop culture things ever, but it's also mine. You know, it's like, this is, this is something that I can say, like, I hold yeah. this so close to my heart to where I have, I have partial ownership of this and I want to show that there is interest beyond my shirt says star wars and like i think some people would say that that seems a little gatekeepy yeah. or a little exclusive but i actually argue the opposite i think when you wear a shirt like that like an ahsoka shirt or a star wars vision shirt or a high republic shirt or something like that to me it's the exact opposite of exclusive and it's if somebody if i saw somebody wearing a creve trennis shirt or something like that yeah. or avar chris shirt i'm like Oh my God, like that's so cool to be able to see that out in the wild. So to me, it's it's all about sharing that and, you know, seeing someone who, you know, like if somebody's out and about and, you know, just sees me wear this shirt and they recognize that reference, like that honestly would make my day. Like right. there are plenty of movies out there. Like if I saw like a Brigsby Bear shirt, or like a Sing Street shirt, like quite like, you know, lesser known kind of indie movies. If I saw somebody wearing that, it would like it legitimately probably make my day. Yeah. Because no, being able I've to encounter yeah. someone else who's like, oh my God, you also like the thing that I like. And when you have something that's so big and as Star Wars is, and you can go to any Kohl's or Target or Walmart or whatever, you can probably get some type of Star Wars shirt, like the schematic of the Millennium Falcon and stuff right. like that. And the many emotions of Darth Vader. When you have a brand that's that big, being able to identify as, yes, I'm a Star Wars fan, but also I'm a fan of this kind of portion of it. Yep. That's really exciting to me. So are, out of uh, all of these things that we have listed here, is there anything else that you're 
wanting to purchase? Or if not, is there anything that you hope that gets made, whether it be a t-shirt or a figure or something like that? Um, we were joking about the schematic shirt, but that little schematic shirt. Of the droid? That's, it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it's, I like it. I do like <laughs> it's it. It's pretty cool. Um, but I, when we were talking about this, the, the pair of socks with uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 oh. as like, as the like Akira Kurosawa-esque character. Yeah, they're like black and white. Yeah. yeah. Um, Look kind of sketched almost. That yeah. is, to me, that's almost the coolest one. Mostly because it's like, okay, I can buy these and have these and wear them whenever I want to be like, okay, I know that yeah. I'm wearing this. And it's kind of that, again, that blend of like, you know, familiar with with a new style. Yeah. Um, and again, I also, like we said before, the twins shirt, is it's pretty awesome it's phenomenal are there any things that's i know like the 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 um listings here on the starwars.com they don't have everything but i i struggled to find some other ones online because i think they're just a little bit too new just got announced yeah are there any things from the trailer any characters or things that you would like them to make t-shirts of or collectibles or something like that that you would see and be like oh man i got i gotta snag that um i would love again i'm a big fan of posters and art Mm -hmm. I would love an art piece of some of the, I guess, like the, the setting visuals that we've gotten so far. Like a nice print or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because they are like, from what we've seen so far, really some clean stuff. I mean, if they don't, you literally could go and like screenshot most of the shots from that trailer. Absolutely. They're they're like literally the kind of shots that you could hang on a wall or make like your wallpaper on your phone or your desktop or something like that. I think for me, that's kind of the thing where it's like, I would love just some art of that that I could frame. I think for myself, I, uh, this has been like a, a thing that I've been jealous of for a while. So I love toys and collectibles and things like that. Yeah. And I feel whenever I go to cons or these kind of comic book shops or something like that, I see a lot of anime figures, Mm -hmm. specifically with Dragon Ball Z or other Dragon Ball properties. And even though I've seen some Dragon Ball, I would not consider myself a fan. It's not that I dislike it. It's just not, you know, a fandom that I'm a part of. I see a lot of these figures of that or Naruto or whatever, and I get jealous because the figures are so cool. Yeah. But they're only like 30 or so dollars. Like the, 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 coolness of the figure and they're like these little statues of them doing some cool pose or something like that and the price of them i think they're these little like kind of pvc figures yeah i'm just like oh man i wish i loved dragon balls because <laughs> i could have a thousand of these in my room and i think there are some characters that we've seen in this whether it be the twins or that jabroni with the umbrella lightsaber yeah something like that that i would love to get like a cool statue like mm-hmm. kind of that anime pvc kind of dragon ball-esque type statue just the over animated like very exaggerated oh for sure pose. with the hair and the, the stuff going in the wind and yeah. stuff like that that would be, yeah that'd be, I, that'd be great yeah i would love to see something like that um kota bakuya does a lot of star wars figures they even had some like you can get like a anime inspired like kylo ren and yeah. he looks like an e-boy <laughs> <laughs> which he is to be fair uh but they have like another one of ray and stuff I've like that i've seen a few of those yeah, yeah. and to yeah. see something like that but be portraying a character who doesn't need to have that translation there to where it's you know traditionally a different thing and they make it anime to see something that already is that just be realized in like a statue or something like that That'd be fantastic. And to know that it's like, wow, this fits in the Star Wars collection. As For like, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And it's not like 
well, we don't have Star Wars anime, so we kind of have to make do. It's like that when we first talked about Star Wars visions and you have those interviews, like this kind of the sizzle reel, you talk you with uh, they interviewed filmmakers within these studios and they were so excited to have an opportunity to tell their stories. Literally Star just Wars. getting their shot and being like Absolutely. Yeah. And to see something that's like legitimate seems like a weird word to use, but kind of more a little bit more legitimate than just oh, what if Darth Vader was a samurai? Yeah. And those things are cool for sure. But to see something that already is representative of that culture and doesn't need to be translated, to see that realized in an action figure or something would be just the best. I, I Whenever they're on sale day one, I'm going <laughs> to Target. Thankfully, California has like one every block. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like plenty to choose from. You don't have to from, drive so. another. Well, I guess you might have to drive 35 minutes because it's only a mile away. Yeah, so. well, hopefully they're, oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they're hot off the presses and I have a difficult time finding one. I would love to be scouring for these and yeah like, oh no there's my you know my favorite character from the series or something like that that'd be fantastic right uh, and i can't wait to see all the photos of people wearing these at celebration and the cosplays oh and my stuff goodness like that. i can't even imagine i bet somebody saw that trailer of the guy with the umbrella and they're like how could i do that and they're like you all know? right let's build it <laughs> yeah and that's a, i love that about star wars fans is they're immediately like oh here's this cool thing i know nothing about i'm gonna dedicate 40 hours and <laughs> make this umbrella lightsaber yeah and hundreds of dollars but yeah i can't wait to see that kind of stuff anyways but noah speaking of celebrating we are maybe gonna celebrate maybe not um the special edition of star wars the original trilogy was released on vhs in august of 1997 it was actually the official birthday quote-unquote birthday was last week uh but i neglected to see that but i saw it on uh this week in star wars which is also on starwars.com and their youtube channel the special edition, uh, the VHS uh, and Laserdiscs uh, releases of the original trilogy turned 24. So 24 Man. years ago, the special editions of Star Wars, the original trilogy was released. I attached a photo of like the VHS uh, box set. There, I remember that guy. Which I had like the little golden one. Yep. <laughs> and I still, I don't have like the sleeve that they go in, but I have like the VHS tapes with the covers, but I don't have like the original kind of the box that they go in. Yes. But I'll ask you, what is your history with the special editions? Because I have like a clear idea of the special editions and the ones that i had when i was a kid i still have now um i know that uh my dad got the dvds okay as like a replacement for like the ones that we did have yeah. and it was like his that was like the special thing was it's like now they're on dvd yeah. and we have a dvd player and that's what i grew up with like yeah. that that is where i grew up the sitting in front of the tv popping in the disc of yeah more more often than not return of the jedi mm -hmm. but um like that was it that was all that i knew was I think just those were like the 2004 releases yes. if i believe correctly yes yeah, yeah. um and like i can clearly picture where those exact discs are sitting uh in my parents house like <laughs> yeah. i know that they're right there i know that they're all in the you same got order. plenty of scratches and love on them there yeah. is i think the it was the new hope one that came with or a new hope uh, that disc that came with a special features thing for all of them, I think, or yeah. it might've just been the first one. I don't remember. I only watched the special features for the prequels, but, um, yeah. well, I actually, so, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it more, but recently I purchased, um, recently, I mean like probably like two years ago, yeah. I got the, uh, the specialized edition star Wars, um, movies and we'll, we'll probably have a whole discussion about, you know, the, the, 
do we prefer the special editions or the kind of the original ones? But when I bought those, I really wanted to bring together all of these different DVDs that I had bought to the over the years and make like my ideal box set of the original trilogy. Yeah. And I went through my old DVDs of what exactly what you're talking about. And the one that they have is this extra little DVD and it's the bonus features and it features the uh, Empire of Dreams documentary, yes. okay, which is, yeah. like, talks about all three of the films. And I um, didn't still have that, but I went to a Goodwill and I saw just that one. Like, wow. And I was like, oh my God, because I had seen the Empire of Dreams documentary. <laughs> yeah, like it was on Amazon Prime or something like that. Yeah. And I don't think I had ever seen that documentary. And it's like two and a half hours long of just Star Wars goodness. It makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> but I bought that DVD and I put that one in there as well as some other documentaries that are along with the original trilogy and just made like, you know, this is my kind of kit bashed little Star yes. Wars um, uh, little uh, thing here. But did you have the the VHS tape specifically or were you a DVD family? I was a DVD family for a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, obviously, I mean, we had piles and piles of VHSs. However, uh, my grandfather-in-law has the original theatrical edition on VHS. Nice. Um, and like I've been wanting for so long just to be like, and you're going to take this off your hands. <laughs> not that I, I have a, bartering with yeah, not that I have a VHS player, but like, it's just one of those things. It's like, wow, yeah. you know, I would love to just Almost have like a little those. piece of history. Yeah, yeah, it totally is. And I also recently, and by recently, I mean, um, this past week, uh, purchased a, a new version of the D specialized edition because my original set that I had got two years ago, um, was the disc for a new hope was very badly damaged when it yeah. came to me, um, and was like unplayable, literally everything from when they start the death star attack forward is unwatchable, you know, the not important stuff, right? No, exactly. <laughs> and it's so, not a big deal. <laughs> so like that was, that was a huge kind of like, oh man, that's a bummer. Yeah. Um, so I recently found, um, a guy that literally just pumps out copies. Yeah. And which I, I, I've heard some people be like, why don't buy these things? They're not like, like don't buy that a specialized editions. You can just get a copy of them and print them yourself. But for myself, I don't have a DVD burner. I yeah, don't have, I don't have a, a way to burner. Like, I don't have, yeah. I don't have a way to print these like high quality Blu-ray cases and things like that. Right. So I was just like, I'll just bite the bullet and just pay this random guy on eBay. I don't really care. But. And yeah, no. And as far as I can tell, the one that I received, uh, most recently is, you know, in well working condition. Um, yeah. and the seller is like, you know, super, super friendly and is like, if there's any issues at all, send it back to me. I'll be happy to send oh, you good. a replacement. Nice yeah. Um, so Did that's they come with new cases or was it kind of the same thing? So it's one case, it's one disc with oh, cool. all three on one disc. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I'm planning on updating the case probably because it's kind of a flimsy little sure. mini case. Yeah. Um, but I'm in the midst right now of building my, my box set as well. So I have nice. the despecialized edition. And then I also just got in the mail, um, all three prequels on Blu-ray with all three special feature discs. Hey, there you go. Um, so there's that. And then I'm waiting for the three, uh, sequel trilogy Blu-rays as well. Yeah. I, 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 
I, I have the prequel Blu-rays that I had, I've had for a while, but yeah. then I also wanted to, I went through and got all my DVDs, the prequels and got the special features for those. And I, I kind of kit bashed those together, but I'm re- I'm wanting to get the Skywalker saga 4k one, which is like over $200. I've seen it. And it's like, cause oof. I just got a 4k TV recently and I'm kind of like, Oh man, what you if, know? what if man, what if, <laughs> um, but also I've got like a, you know, Disney plus streams in 4k. So I'm kind of letting that be at bay that little that little purchase it's just a wish list thing yeah. you know but my relationship with these vhs's is i i remember when i was a kid we had the vhs of the phantom menace and we had borrowed the dvds that you're talking about from yeah. family friends of ours and i don't have i, I it's, it's unfortunate because i don't have like a moment where i'm like that's the first time I was exposed to Star Wars. Neither I don't do have I. that. I don't have that moment that I can point to and be like, "Oh man, we all gathered around the hearth and watched <laughs> watched a New Hope or whatever." It's just kind of always been right. There. I was like, "Papa, what is this?" <laughs> like this, my boy, will change your life. And he cracked open the case, and it was like Pulp Fiction style, just like light pouring out yeah. of it. No, I just we just always had them. And if anything, some of the first memories that I have of Star Wars are actually the box art of them. Because I just remember having kind of this stack of VHSs at my my um, you know parents' house when I was a kid, and I remember so I can visualize it right now. It says like Star Wars Episode One at the top, and then at the bottom it's just got a picture of Obi Wan and Qui Gon, kind of from like the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. when they're when they're uh, at the negotiations. You know, interesting. Got that little piece of art there, and I just remember seeing that and just being like, oh, cool. Like, yeah. This is interesting. <laughs> and we when we borrowed the the DVD copies from the family friends of ours. There's a very specific image of Palpatine for Return of the Jedi. It's got this kind of green hue to the to the to the art style, but there's an image of Palpatine on there that when I was a kid, I was like, "Ooh, what is that?" Yeah, like, I, that I, guy's creepy. That's looking. the DVD yeah. that I have. Yeah, yeah, he was just kind of this weird wrinkly old monster, and I was just like, <laughs> "What the hell is that?" I want to watch this. But anyway, when I when I you know got older. Uh, not necessarily older, but after we watched those and I got more into Star Wars, my parents had purchased the VHS copies. I'm sure they found it at a Goodwill or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah well, you know, why not? Because, you know, by that time it was DVDs were getting more popular. So it was probably kind of a cheap little thing. But I remember watching those Star Wars ones and there was a documentary before, I believe, A New Hope. Mm-hmm. And it was with Leonard Malton and George Lucas. And Weird. I remember having to like fast forward that to get to the movie uh, no shade towards leonard malton i've he's a he's a incredibly kind like, man get but. out get this thing out of here i'm trying to watch my movie but yeah when you're like five years old trying to watch a new hope you're like oh, who's this guy talking to george like, yeah. <laughs> get out of here but i remember having that and just when i was a kid i would i like my family had what was referred to as like the quote play room like yeah we had a room where we had all of our toys and oh, things yeah. like that and the TV that we had had like a built-in VHS player. And I just remember just being in there and just putting in Star Wars, like yeah. the original trilogy and just watching. And then later the prequels as well, but just like watching those and just playing with toys, just playing with Star Wars toys, having Star Wars on and just yeah. doing that literally like every day. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to ask in transition now to now that you've gotten older and I think we both kind of lived with the special editions because I don't know about you, but I didn't even watch the original cut of Star Wars until I was probably in high school. I didn't watch it until much later. I yeah. didn't watch the original cut until 
until we watched the despecialized edition altogether. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. because the the DVD ones that you're talking about, I think they're referred to as like the Gout DVDs. I'm not sure what the acronym is there is for, but the disc two of those had a super super compressed version of the original trilogy it's like looks like it's like 480p yeah it's one of the reasons i bought the despecialized versions because when i was you know like it worked well when you're on a smaller tv but when you start to get on those big tvs watching that dvd it's just like oh god this looks horrible i have to do something about this yeah but yeah i want to know like what is your relationship to it now because the special editions are not something that we we went to the theater in 1999 or whatever, watched the movies and went like, what the hell is this? Like, do you have like any kind of animosity towards these or just kind of, you know, it is what it is. I think it is what it is, especially because it's so like iconic to me is, well, I think part of it is like, it's iconic to um, the, the canonicity of, of what we know yeah, and saying like, okay, so this like, this this bit with you know let's just let's just say the the bit with uh with han solo and java talking yeah. outside of the millennium falcon and it's like okay this is important because we see java in in return sure. of the jedi yeah and it, and it it's important there because then it relates back to what we know in the prequels it's kind of this i i understand like the you know well, why would they even include you know, like bits of this and yeah. you know, there's like the part in uh when when they get to Moss Eisley when there's like the dude that falls off of his yeah. like big yeah. animal Lots of thing. Prequel humor for right. better or worse. Right. Yeah. It's something George got a little bit more interested in as he got older. Yeah. Yeah. And I just view it as like, well that exists and it is like permanent to exist. Yeah. Um, so regardless of like the, no, it's, they've ruined blah, blah, blah. And it's, and now it's all different. And what have you done? I can't care because it doesn't matter. The, like the maker himself has deemed it so to where this exists now, no matter what You, you can like it, you can not, but like it exists in a canon way if we're just talking about like what happens overall and that will just be there. And it, and yeah. I think that a big part of it is that makes me okay with it is just that it's like, okay, we're not like changing or removing or substantially like clipping. We're yeah. just throwing more on top. Sure. And, you know, and that's, that's going to be fine with me. Yeah. I think that the only, uh, the only animo- animosity I have is with McClunky. Just because it's like, Oh, you don't like McClunky? No, I do like it, but it's like, Guys, what? (laughs) I thought why. So, like, take this little detour to McClunky, but like a a band name called it Detour to McClunky. I'm gonna write it down right now. (laughs) (laughs) When that happened, I was just like, I think I had stumbled across that because we talked about it. That like I had made a video on Twitter that like Mr. Sunday Movies had done, and like I don't know exactly how many, but got like a pretty fair share of like oh, retweets yeah, and did. likes and stuff like that, because it was like first when Disney Plus had, you know, been been put on on you know made live, and I was like, I wonder if they, you know, of course they're going to, but I was like, I wonder if you know the special editions are like still what they put on there, and I remember going to the Han shot first scene and seeing Greedo say McClunky, and I was like what the hell is that? I, yeah. was like, I was like, am I crazy or like am I losing <laughs> my mind right now? And I clipped that out and I put it on Twitter 
uh, before like a lot of the, you know, trades had pick, picked it up and stuff like that because I did it like in the morning, like before class. And yep. I was just like literally just sitting in bed with my headphones on because you're probably still like asleep or something. Oh, I was like totally that. asleep. Because it was like early in the morning and I was just like, you were asleep because we were roommates for the listeners. But like, <laughs> um, I, I just remember watching that was just like, what the hell? And now I'm just kind of like, it's just, it's funny how quick things can get added to Star Wars lexicon. Well, or it's just I, like <laughs> McClunky is, uh, talk about that shared vocabulary. If you just yeah. say McClunky, people are like, <laughs> nice, you know? I think that part of that is what what's so strange about it to me is I think that, I mean, I could be wrong, but it felt a lot like the initial, like what happened was just like, George Lucas sent us the wrong cut. Like that's the funny thing about it is the McClunky edition was added so long ago. Yeah. And it felt like this little time bomb that George just planted and they just kind of like, okay, well, whenever they release Star Wars again, they'll have this. And he just like put this super weird line in there. And it's just like, I wish, cause I met um, the actor that, that portrayed Greedo, a uh, super kind gentleman, but yeah. I, uh, that was pre McClunky. It was a, the pre McClunky. <laughs> it was, it was BBM. <laughs> um, uh, but I wish I could have asked him about that. And like, you know, cause he would have nobody been like, knew. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was before then, but I wish he could have just been like, did you record McClunky is that like a some guy came in and said that or I wish I would know the story behind that but uh in regards to the special edition original trilogy or the original cut of the original trilogy I think for the most part I'm kind of like take it or leave it yeah because I think that there are some moments that I go you know what that's actually like not a bad change like on Bespin adding the windows absolutely even though it's unfortunate not to have that I believe actress not portray uh, Emperor Palpatine and Empire. Yeah. I believe it's actress. I believe it's a woman. Um, but not having that person in the movie anymore, that's kind of a shame because they were a part of Star Wars and now they're well, not. Well, same anymore. with Anakin. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You have that um, that actor. It's slipping my name right. Uh, the name is slipping me right now. Um, but you have that performer who's not really a part of it anymore. That's kind of a shame. Um, but stuff like the eyebrows or whatever, it's like totally inconsequential. And if you hadn't seen it before, you wouldn't notice anything. Yeah. Whereas some of the stuff on my Sicily and like Jedi rocks specifically, I think Jedi rocks <laughs> is the one I'm a little bit more passionate about. <laughs> uh, passionate in what way? Like passionate into where I watch the uh, special edition and I'm like, skip. <laughs> yeah, no, I literally like literally legitimately, fast forward it. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot watch that scene. I just can't. Yeah. And it's not something that I get like real huffy about. It's just kind of like, so as someone who, you know, uh, as we mentioned previously, who has the special, the, the, the specialized edition for myself, and this is nothing to poo poo the people who like it or don't care or the, even George Lucas who made it Yeah, for myself as someone who is passionate about classic films and the restoration of classic movies, you know, going back and getting some movie from the Soviet Union from like 1930 something. And it's like, oh, it's been in some dude's attic for 70 years. And they found it and like, you know, were able to restore it. That's incredible to me. And it always fascinates me. Criterion does a lot of work like that. Yeah. But for Star Wars to go back and to see something, which to me, watching the original cut, especially like some of the Death Star Trench Run stuff, watching it with the idea of like, you know, a, guy, a bunch of guys did this like, in Burbank, just like in the back lot. They didn't know what they were doing. They were just trying their best and they made this thing. Like that's crazy to me. Yeah, absolutely. To be able to watch something like that and to watch some of these shots and just especially with Empire as well, like some of those asteroid field shots, it's just like 
God, how did they do this? Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's magic. But nowadays the magic isn't as impressive. VFX and digital uh, VFX, I, I, I love all that kind of stuff as well. And it t- obviously takes a lot of talent. But for myself, watching something like that, the how did they do that isn't as much there. It's mostly like, oh, it's CGI, you know, right? which obviously takes skill and is, is impre- impressive in its own right. But I, when I watch something from 1977 or 1980, the magic of seeing this weird kind of magic trick that these people were able to pull and pull off these shots, that's the allure to me. Um, and also Yubnub rocks. So, and also, I don't want to take out Yubnub, but it definitely rocks. I think for myself, the best of both worlds would be able to kind of have the option there for fans to say, just like the DVDs did when we were a kid, you know, here's this copy of the special edition and here's this copy of, you know, what came before. And if you're more of a quote unquote purist or whatever, you appeal to both of those people. Right. Even if yeah. they were separate Blu-rays, I would probably buy both of them. You know? <laughs> or like it's you know, cause I love collecting Star Wars movies. A, a friend of mine who I went to high school with literally has a collection of just different Star Wars like you know, VHSs and laser wow. discs yeah. and all the stuff, a whole shelf of them and has probably all the steel books and things like that. I'm considering spending $250 on 4k movies that I already own and can stream in 4k. Just but it's I'm, just because you can I'm have a psychopath. The... Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, that option to be there for fans and also come on, man, I want to see the original trilogy uncut in 4k. I really want to see that. Like yeah. that's that sounds pretty magical to me. But happy birthday to the special edition. Turns twenty four, uh, just a little bit older than I am. But it's funny to see how generationally you have people yeah. who are like, "Oh, I didn't know that it was different." And then you have guys who are like in their fifties that are pounding their fist about Han shot first, and we're kind of just like, I remember hearing that as a kid and being like, "What is that even a reference to?" And then right. <laughs> seeing like the special edition, and I'm like, "Oh." all right anyway (laughs) (laughs) moving on yeah no you're you're right i think there's there's obviously precedent for wanting to um have both sides of it and i mean i just think that that's like kind of the 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 specialness of of you know what like like what you like about yeah all of this because it all exists somewhere and you can do whatever you want with it totally yeah yeah uh, and I, uh, I'm, I'm glad that in the wave of the future, we have options there. Even if Disney won't let us have it, some guy who's spent a hundred hours making this thing, probably more than that, making this the specialized edition. Yeah. It's out there if you want it. And if not more power to you. Sure. But Noah, we've, uh, speaking of things that are out there, I guess my, <laughs> your segues, <laughs> my segues a little weak this week. It's really <laughs> weak, let me tell you. Um, I proposed this, uh, this discussion to you and I, I thought it would be an interesting one to talk about because we don't necessarily have anything to review um, this week. I'm still a little bit behind on the comics, but uh, you know, I'll catch up. Hey, it's busy. It's, we're, we're, we're it's, both a, busy. it's a busy time. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to talk about um, in regards to some recent Disney plus shows, We've got the book of Boba Fett coming out, got Ahsoka coming out, got Cassie and Andor coming out, Obi-Wan Kenobi coming out. A lot of shows featuring prior known characters yep. are are uh, coming down the pike. And I wanted to discuss something that has been a contention with a lot of fans recently, particularly in regards to The Bad Batch, as well as Mandalorian Season 2. And that is kind of the art of the cameo. Now, 
cameo, I guess I'm just using as kind of the shorthand of it, but I did before we talk in uh, this topic of what cameos work for us, what cameos don't work for us. I wanted to kind of differentiate between what is a cameo versus what is like, it's a prior known character, but they maintain like a specific integral role to this series. We're kind of setting the, the boundaries, the ground rules. For sure. If you can think of a word that's a little bit more tighter than prior known characters who <laughs> are in the show specifically and like have a narrative purpose but not as finite as cameo <laughs> <laughs> yeah feel free to comment down below or whatever or if you can think of one but i wanted to define or provide some examples let's just i just went i used a rogue one as an example um a cameo would be like honda baba in rogue one where they just pop by and you go oh hey there's the guy and then that's it you know yeah yeah yeah. versus someone like saw Gerrera, who is in star wars clone wars and then later star wars rebels and has been appeared in a lot more things he is a specific like he serves a specific narrative purpose in that he's not just like you could say that hey, yeah. it's me remember me and then he kind of pieces out you know um and i also wanted to when we're when we're talking about this in regards to prior known characters in this new thing I'm not talking about Chewbacca in Solo because you would expect him to be in that thing. Yeah, there's like the circles and red arrows, like five cameos you missed in Solo. It's just yeah. Chewbacca five yeah, times. Yeah, commonly known Wookiee in Star Wars, Chewbacca makes an appearance in Solo, a Star Wars story. Right. Han Solo makes an appearance in Solo, a Star Wars story. Stuff like that. Did Is you it, catch it? Yeah. Like, oh my God, I, I got to go back, blink and you miss it. Detail. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Stuff like that isn't quite what I'm in reference to. It's more of those kind of you know things that have appeared in other properties, other other titles and who show back up again and, you know, serve a purpose narratively like i talked about the bad batch mandalorian season two so these are some cameos um that i did want to discuss so um the the list is kind of long but i wanted to go back and talk about which of these worked for you which of them did not work for you yeah we can like rapid fire and then totally break it down and these these range from you know, Panda Baba just being like, hey, it's rah, rah, and then you're like, oh, cool. And then they're gone. You know, like yeah, that kind of that blink. Like, you'll be dead. <laughs> kind of those, the red circle ones that you, not everybody would pick up and versus ones who were like some of the bad batch, like with cut, he's on an entire episode, yes. you know? So just in Rogue One alone, you've got Panda Baba, Dr. Evazan, you've got Saw Gerrera, C-3PO and R2-D2, Choppa, Chop, Choppa, Choppa, <laughs> the Choppa, <laughs> Chopper, Hera, Tarkin, uh, if that counts, because um, I don't think it's quite a cameo, but you know. It's it's close. It's, I think, the same level as Saw Gerrera. Sure. Uh, as well as later, Leia, who I would say is more of a cameo in that. Definitely. Uh, and then Darth Vader, who is in multiple scenes and talks and, you know, has a narrative purpose in that, yeah. which is, I would argue, is you know, the reason I said if that counts is because like Tarkin and Vader, I think one, how I said, you know, Chewbacca and Solo, I could hear an argument for, well, of course they would be in Rogue One. Right, they're why written, wouldn't and they're they? written in, in a way that's, yeah, this yeah. is the, and you know, the just, just before a new hope and it involves the death star. Of course you would have the two guys who were like on it most of the time in the original movie. Right. So let's just start there talking about Rogue One. When you look at this list of prior known characters, are there ones in this movie specifically that you really liked and really work for you? And kind of the contrast of that, are there any that are in here that you're like, I just don't see the need? So, okay. Or does it make the galaxy feel too small? Because that's the common I think that's a big one, yes. Um, Tarkin works for me probably most of all. 
Okay. Um, Interesting. Because I, I feel like a lot of people would disagree with that. I would say not not works for me as like, oh, I see that and I'm like, yeah, like that looks <laughs> Look at that real person. Yeah, no. <laughs> Definitely not, not in that way, but person. like if we're going to write in Tarkin and we're going to spend the time recreating his face digitally, like good because it makes sense that he would be there. Totally. And he does have a smaller role, but his relationship with Krennic is like it's one of my favorite things. Bonkers. I yeah, love it's Krennic. Great. I love yeah. Orson Krennic. Yeah. I've talked about that a lot with you. It's just yeah. like Rogue One is low on my list. We all know it. It's my hot take, but Orson yeah. Krennic, high on my list for he's, characters. He's so good. He's so good. Um, but Tarkin specifically, I think, works there. And it and it, it I I would consider it more of a cameo. Mm-hmm. Um Saw Gerrera does not work for me even as a maybe more than a cameo yeah and like we can obviously talk about it later because that's something that pops up even in one that you didn't mention on this list here did i miss one well kind of but not really it's it's still out there but it's like yeah of course but anyways are you talking about like mon mothma or bail organa no 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 no. because i considered those but i was like well to me they're more of the side of like the chewbacca of it all to where it's like yeah, duh, they'll be no, there. No, I'm specifically know. talking about Saw Gerrera. Okay. We'll get to it. Okay. But keeping in Rogue One. Yes. Um, I think that the C-3PO and R2-D2 bit is very much like, well, it ha- they have to be in a Star Wars movie. So I'm like, well, sure, ugh, fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, and not not that I'm, you know, not happy to hear Anthony Daniels' voice all the time. Right. Or R2-D2's little bips and boobs. Like, love it. Great. Yeah. But even still. um. And then I think like someone like Ponda Baba is just like, fine. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to care. Right. You know, I'm not going to, and, and like mentioning Hera, I'm like, okay, cool. And on that is like probably the, uh, aside from Chopper and Hera, those are two of the biggest like blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. Absolutely. I didn't, well, one, I wasn't watching Rebels at the time. I didn't watch Rebels until much later, but chopper and you know hair is heard over an intercom and it's mm-hmm. like you know general syndula or something like that it's not even she's not even mentioned my first name right. you know so if you're not looking for that or you've stepped out to the bathroom for <laughs> you know or even thought about going to the bathroom you could miss it you yeah, know, absolutely even if you didn't leave your seat and you just checked your phone briefly you would miss it but i think when i look at these the ones that i'm a little bit more cynical about are the ones that i feel are put in there and gets the fan reaction of oh hey look, I know that thing. And then that's kind of about it. And there's not this deeper kind of narrative purpose. I'm, I sound like a Scrooge, but like, I'm all about that. Like, Oh, Hey, look, Oh, there's that thing that I recognize. Cool. I think we'll get into one in the rise of Skywalker that I think is a good example of that. But I think also with that become comes a little bit of responsibility on yes. the behalf of Disney, because they obviously know, especially with C-3PO and R2-D2, two of the most recognizable characters in fiction, just showing them. You're like, oh, it's Star Wars. You know, yeah. when you kind of parade those and just have them on display, it feels almost a little bit like an amusement park, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, oh, there's the, there's, you know, there's the whatever. And yeah, it's, it's like, like, there's Buzz Lightyear talking to Tigger. And totally, it's totally. Like, okay. Yeah. And it's just kind of this. It just becomes a t-shirt to where yeah. you're just like, oh, there's the thing that I know. Cool. To me, the ones that work in this, I will say Saw Gerrera. Okay. I, I'll, I'll say Tarkin, and then we can talk about Saw Gerrera because I really like him in, in this movie. And he is the perfect example of what I, I we still haven't thought of a word for it. Let's just say character, yeah. <laughs> prior <laughs> characters. He's the perfect example um, of what a prior character should be in a movie like this, but like I uh, will get to that. But Tarkin for me, even though some of the CG 
I think the way that I feel about it, does the CG work all the time? It doesn't. And it, it doesn't fool me in being like, wow, look at that real person. I know plenty of people who saw that movie didn't know that that was Peter Cushing and didn't think twice about it. Yeah. So I think it does pass kind of, uh, that uncanny Valley thing, uh, thing for some people. But if you have that knowledge that Peter Cushing is super dead, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit difficult to make that gap in your mind. Cause you're like, I know I'm looking at someone that's not alive. Yeah. So that can be a little difficult, but I'm willing to kind of sacrifice it because one George Lucas pushing technology, trying new things great continue to do that i want to see new technology be introduced in filmmaking that you know is just like i've never seen that before and you know going back to like you know just a few years ago with like tron legacy or something like that just seeing something like that where it's like you still have that actor who's still alive and even still it's kind of like it's a little bit jarring look like a person having this thing jeff bridges (laughs) jeff bridges yeah (laughs) (laughs) even with that movie he's a he's literally a computer generated character so i kind of let it slide a little bit but it's just cool to see how far we've gotten in technology and i think i'm willing to be like whatever with mark hamill namely i mean we're just talking about 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 that last week yeah i think because of what it serves narratively i'm like cool whatever fine but i do want to talk about saw guerrera because let me get your perspective because i know what mine is but i i to me, he super works and I love that he's in that movie, but you seem a little bit more hesitant. I think my only hesitation is that he's, I think overall, and this is just like a character thing. It's not a rogue one thing. Overall, Saw Gerrera is a frustrating character and it's difficult for me to align myself with him as a character when I know his backstory and then trying to connect with, with Jin Erso as like, as someone that we want to see as a heroine uh, that like, it's just so tenuous all the time and it's weird. And it's like, okay, this person is here out of nowhere and like, there is a relationship, but there's not, but we don't know about it, but we it's mostly like, alluded to, right. It's alluded to. And that's frustrating because then you get into that territory of feeling like, okay, who can we pick out of this bunch that we already have and t- to support our main character instead of, doing the heavy lifting doing heavy lifting yes and sure. and i like jenner seems like so a shortcut almost. yes that, that's kind of my biggest thing is it's like okay great now he's here to to drive this and then he gets crushed by a building you know <laughs> <laughs> and it's like all right that was it what a way to go what a way to go yeah um so like that's i think that's my hesitation and it's not just a saga thing it's not just a rogue one thing i think it's just a narrative thing totally. mostly. Yeah. Um, and it's not a major gripe because again, I do, I like Sagarera as a character, as frustrating as he can be because he's written that way. Yeah. In Clone Wars, you're not really supposed to love him. Um, in Rebels too, it's like, okay, you know, this is a different side of the rebellion that, yeah. we're, that we're seeing and it's yeah. like a little bit dangerous. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my perspective. I honestly don't think I've ever heard you articulate it that way. And it actually makes a ton of sense to me because I, that is a big frustration that I have with Rogue One in general is it, I think it uses other ancillary materials to prop up things a lot yeah. as opposed to so just kind of, you know, maybe filling in some gaps or just kind of bringing a, a little bit more definition to things like yeah. the Catalyst book or Rebel Rising or things like that. I am all for reading things that supplement material that supplement the story but don't substitute the story that's Mm -hmm. kind of my rule of thumb and i talked about it in my rise of skywalker video 
I am all for that because watching something like Rebels is going to impact the way that you watch that episode of The Bad Batch, but it still needs to stand on its own. And you can still watch that episode of The Bad Batch, which we'll get into and say, I don't really know who this character is, but I relate with, you know, A, B, and C. Yeah. Like saw, I, I understand what they're doing and saying. Totally. And, yeah. Totally. And I think with uh, Rogue One in general, I think it does a lot of, oh, but if you read this book, you'll like this character a bit more. It's like, okay, let's say hypothetically, I didn't. And most people <laughs> haven't. Like, I still want to be able to engage with this character and yeah. engage with this movie other than like the pew 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 of it all i've got i've grown to like rogue one more because i have engaged with those other materials but i'm not giving it a pass because of that because i still understand that it's almost a bit of required reading and homework which i think kind of flies in the face of what a lot of star wars is but right. with saw Gerrera, i love the idea that and because to me, it feels a little bit more, it's, it's like the opposite of reverse engineering. I think with some of these cameos, it will go, okay, we want to fit in, you know, fill in the blank character into this show. We want to squeeze them in. How can we do that? And then they'll reverse engineer it to be like, to get to that point. Yeah. For me, from all accounts, this was a character that you know, those involved said like, we're kind of wanting to tell a story with this type of character. And the Lucasfilm story group was like, oh, here you go. Here's right. a perfect- he, he naturally fits there. Totally. And it just kind of slides right in and it's just kind of nice. And if you've never watched Clone Wars or you don't recognize who that character is, it's not going to make a difference. And you're still going to be able to enjoy that character. I will say though, totally understand that Jen or so and her relationship with Saw Gerrera needs to be fleshed out more. Yeah. But to me, that's not indicative of Saw Gerrera. If it would have been, you know, Bob Smith, <laughs> re, re, you know, rebellion guy, like yeah. I, you know, I would have felt the exact same way, but thankfully <laughs> because it's a clone wars character, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that they were like, Oh, well, everybody knows Saw Gerrera. Right, we don't need to, not. we don't need to fill them in. It's not like, it's not like we're getting another Batman movie and they need to show the parents getting shot again. It's kind of like, well, no, it's assumed. I don't think that that's the case with Saw Gerrera, whether where they're like, everybody knows about Saw Gerrera. We don't need to take the time. Right. For me, it was more of just like indicative of that whole movie to where they could have spent a lot more time filling in those characters. But as I said earlier, Saw Gerrera is a perfect example of what I would like a lot of these characters to be, where they say, we need someone to facilitate this narrative purpose. And they go... We got somebody just for that. Yeah. So moving on from there, though, we've got Solo, a Star Wars story. And this, out of all of the lists, is actually the the ones that I have the second lowest one. And I recognize that, you know, obviously that there are like background characters and things like that. But as far as Solo goes, the only prior characters who I were able to really pick out was Two Tubes. Uh, from and, who's also in Rogue One. Yeah. And Weasel. Dude, let's go Weasel. Which is literally one of those blink and you mess it things that I didn't even Dude, know. My man, my man, Mr. Davis out well, here. Because I was just like, oh, it's Warwick Davis. Like, obviously I recognize that, but I was like, I didn't know that that was the guy from the Phantom Menace who's <laughs> up in the stands, like at the Boon to Eve. That's the kind of Star Wars stuff. I'm just like, fantastic. You yeah. Know, just more flavor. And I watched that when I watched Phantom Menace or Solo, I just go, oh, cool. You know, right, like it's, right. it's more than just, you know, this kind of- No, it gets a pass from a me. Yeah. It gets a pass from me. Fantastic. Uh, no notes. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously the biggest one here is you have Darth Maul. So let me ask you, when you watched Solo in the theater for the first time, 
what was your reaction to Darth Maul? And now that you've watched Clone Wars and you've watched Rebels, I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but you hadn't seen Clone Wars and Rebels when you first watched Solo. I'd not. So how has your opinion on this this uh, you know inclusion altered or, or wavered since you when you saw those two things? Well, let's say that somebody else like myself had not had also not seen Clone Wars or Rebels. Yeah. Um, I think that either way you go. Um, especially having watched Solo again after Clone Wars and Rebels, um, Darth Maul as a choice really doesn't make sense to me. Um, because sure. I, even, even from just knowing what happens in the Phantom Menace and, you know, having little bits and pieces of the Clone Wars growing up and catching bits of it on Cartoon Network and whatnot, like, and then obviously the Disney Channel, um, yeah. like knowing what Darth Maul's motivation is. For literally, like the reason that he didn't die when he was like, my purpose is not yet complete, yeah. and and my anger is keeping me alive. That's the character that we know as Darth Maul, mm -hmm. and I know for a fact, I can confidently say, knowing this character well, that the reason that he didn't die was not because he didn't cross off, run a a like spice gang, like a a crime gang organization off of his bucket list that was not the reason that he didn't die he was like wait i didn't get to be the leader of crimson dawn yeah i just don't understand yeah it's I kind of like i will never understand kind and, of like the dexter's diner he's like when i was mining on subterrell and he's like yeah well, i was the leader of crimson dawn <laughs> i just i like i can't get behind it because the the motive was like, that how you feel or is that more so how you feel now that was how i felt the first time watching it because i was like um I like I knew I knew watching it that Darth Maul was alive. Yeah. Because I was familiar with Clone Wars. Sure. Um and that was it. That was like the extent of my knowledge. But I was yeah. like, how okay, paint me a picture. How do we get here? Yeah. Because I literally cannot connect the dots in my head. Because I'm in the same kind of boat where like when I watched Solo, I hadn't watched uh Clone Wars yet or Rebels especially. But um I remember just, you know, uh, when I kind of jumped off the wagon for Clone Wars when I was, when I was a young man, I yeah. just kind of, you know, I was of that age where it's like, you're going to watch Star Wars cartoons, you know, it's like, come on, it's, you're kind of too cool for that kind of stuff. Yep. But when yeah. it, when it, when it was happening, I remember hearing that Darth Maul had come back and being like, hmm, interesting. That's anyway, cool, yeah. you know, um, but when I watched Solo, I kind of had the same reaction to where I was like, oh, interesting. He's, he's doing this thing now. Hmm. I wonder if they explore that in Clone Wars and Rebels. And turns out they don't really. No. You know, and what's frustrating season seven of Clone Wars does, but yeah. that hadn't come out yet. What's frustrating to me about that, I think the most is that it's like, if we're talking, I have a whole thing about how Solo absolutely ruins the timeline of events, and it's like <laughs> so confusing. Like, I'm again nothing against nothing against uh, Alden Ehrenreich, but yeah, I don't. I'm not convinced that he's playing a 16 year old sure. and like, according to everything it's Star Wars, he's like age. supposed yeah. to be 16. And I'm like, but I, I know that I can't get behind that. And there's no way that they thought, okay, he's playing a 16 year old Han Solo. Sure. It's just not happening. So it's like, okay, so now I have to rework like where I'm thinking this all takes place. And then spoilers, like Maul would be the leader of Crimson Dawn, like very shortly before he dies. Yeah. But, but like immediately before that, we know what he's up to in Rebels. And it's just like, I just don't understand. What's the play? What's the grand move? Because yeah. 
he's Mala's for himself from Phantom Menace forward. I think with myself, I am at the place where I rewatch when I rewatch Solo. I'm kind of like I could see it going either way for me. For me, as I said, Darth Maul is my favorite character. So seeing more of him, I'm like cool. Even though he's he's in a lot of stuff nowadays, <laughs> he's in a lot of stuff. He's in a lot, yeah. Um, but for myself, I'm not completely shut off to the idea of okay, make it make it work for yeah, me. Yeah, no, I can get I can get behind that, but. But like, I'm kind of like when I watch Solo now, I'm a little bit like, hmm, it's a shame we'll never see that. You know, like it's just, I don't, yeah. unless it's in a comic, which just isn't as, right. I'll I, have li- to, I I'll, like comics, but I want, I want yeah. a little bit more from that. And it feels a little bit like right now where I'm at with it, it's just kind of a disappointment because I feel like we're not getting the entirety of the picture. Sure. It will inevitably come in some form or another, but from right now, I'm just kind of like, it, it, Darth Maul being, or just Maul at this time, Maul being in this point doesn't make me say, I think that's my probably my biggest point is I don't watch this scene and go, that has to be Maul. It doesn't make sense for it to be anybody else. It literally could be anybody else. Yeah. And I, it could be Bib yeah. Fortuna. And I'd be like, yeah, it makes sense. You know? that, <laughs> like would, actually, that would actually make way more sense <laughs> where it's like, okay, yeah, yeah he's doing a lot could of be stuff any now. other kind of scum. It could be, it could, it could be Ponda Baba. You know? <laughs> it's just like, yeah. What's the other guy's Dr. name? Dr. Evazan. Yeah. He's like, he doesn't like your systems. <laughs> Kira's like this. He's, He's like, like, I've heard about I the know, twelve systems. I know. I know. Okay. Yeah, we all. I know. know. Yes, yes. I'll yes. be dead. I know. Yeah, just mutes him and starts like you know mutes her camera. You know. Yeah. yeah I think it, that's kind of my biggest point is it doesn't have to be Maul. Yeah. It could be really anybody, and I think at the most part, it just confuses a lot of that's people. That's the thing is, it's frustrating that it is Maul for me where it's yeah. like i just don't understand like, after why? watching clone wars i will say it's not like it comes out of nowhere that he's running a crime syndicate it makes sense to me like he's okay where he's somebody who's clawing for power he doesn't really have that backing up of the sith now kind of on his own so what would he do he would go to the scum and villainy of the galaxy and try to make something you know mandalore didn't work he's trying something else it makes sense but for me it really could be a lot of other characters and i yeah. don't watch it and go it's got to be Maul. And I think something it's something that will inevitably benefit from getting more and more material I that makes so, me yeah. watch that and appreciate it more, which I'm open to. Don't sure. hate it, but I'm just kind of like, I could see it going either way for me. Yeah. So moving on from there, I didn't, I couldn't think of much, and correct me if I'm wrong, I could not think of much from The Force Awakens or um, The Last Jedi because a lot of the recurring characters in those movies are a part of the story yeah. so you have people like daniel craig who's an, in another thing but he's not a recurring character right he's just like it's a cameo from an actor or and some Simon guy from Pegg snl or whatever as, yeah. as stuff like that but uh, to me unless i'm mistaken probably am i don't really see a lot of characters who I wouldn't otherwise expect to see i expect to see luke and leia and chewbacca and han solo r2 all those types of people I don't, unless I'm wrong, I don't remember seeing a lot of other characters where I go, oh my God, it's that guy from the whatever. Um, I would say the only one that I can think of, and it's barely even, it barely even counts, is yeah. in The Force Awakens when you see the white and pink uh, R2 unit, and it's like the the, the callback, or not callback, but it's like a tribute to um, a Star Wars fan who passed away from cancer and like oh. built an R2 unit. And that's sure. like, 
that's the closest thing to any kind of like reference or cameo yeah. of, of anything. Fun, I mean, I could be wrong and there's probably Wikipedia articles of like, well, actually <laughs> right. this alien or whatever is well, in I'm this thinking of like the role playing game. Yeah. I'm thinking of like the, the scene at like Maz's castle and it's sure. like anybody in there just looks kind of like a new person. Um, like you don't get devil horns guy yeah. or like, I'll say this, I'll say to anyone listening to this and they go, Oh, well they're obviously missing this guy. Let's say it is somebody at Maz's castle to me, regardless, it's just kind of set decoration. They don't yeah. really make a big enough impact for me to go, Oh, that's the, you know, that's the person from this. I'm kind of just like, yeah, whatever. You know, it just makes the world feel a little bit more lived in. So as far as force awakens and last shit, I go, even if there are things, they're not big enough in my mind to even think about. Yeah, them. I yeah. think lived in is a good way to say, especially because the the other thing that I can think of is having the um, at Maz's castle having the flag that has uh, Boba Fett's like yeah. his signet on sure. it. Um, sure. Again, not a character, right. it's just kind of like a, a little Easter egg kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, there's plenty of those in Force Awakens. Oh, for sure. But the only uh, sequel trilogy movie that I could think of. Um, was uh, Wedge Antilles as well as um, all the Jedi who are speaking to Rey. Like, even though they're not physically seen, they are these characters who are we are aware of who make an appearance in the movie in some form of another. But other than that, with you know Wedge, and I, I think we can get into it. But I, 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 I don't think any of those are offensive to me they make sense for the story and I'm, I'm glad that they're in there no it's just kind of a i mean you can call it fan service but realistically there's no good reason why they shouldn't be there yeah. you know what i mean yeah whereas just like i mean if you have a problem with it just purely because you're looking at it as fan service then i think it's passable for me yeah. i think that there are much many other points that you could point to in rise of skywalker i know a lot of people have issues with the chewy metal moment yeah you could to me, I would be much more interested to hear a case on why that is fan service versus why hearing that, you know, uh, Mace Windu talks to Rey, you know, it's just like uh, among a lot of other different Jedi and Qui-Gon and, Qui and a bunch of other people. Yeah. Like, to me, that serves more of a narrative purpose and is integral to the theme and the and the journey that Rey goes on in that movie. And Wedge is like, yeah, it's Wedge. You know, of course he would be in this big battle. Like, why wouldn't he be? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, yeah. I can see that. I think even with all the Jedi, it's one of those things that's like, you know, there's a there's a good enough reason for it. And at the same time, it's fun to hear Ashley Eckstein and totally. Freddie Prince Jr. and Hayden Christensen and and Liam Neeson. And yeah. Like, it's fun to hear that stuff because like it's like that tingles your little your your little Star Wars nerve. Yeah. To be like, yeah, cool. You know? Right. Um I almost would consider Lando as a cameo because he's one of those that like borders on like, does he need to be here and serve a purpose as far as like, you know, I mean the stuff with Janna aside, like that frustrates me, but like beyond that, they're like, Oh, we have an informant out on Pasana and it's like, sure. Whoa, it's Lando Calrissian. Sure. Well, I think that's, you know, he definitely fits into that in regards to like, you know, what we see in the Bad Batch to where there's other characters who aren't cameos, but are more of like a prior yeah. character. And Lando hadn't been in the series up to this point. So, I, you know, let's talk about Lando. I think for myself, Lando, the Pasana informant stuff for me feels a little bit more reverse engineered, kind of what I was talking about. I of agree. Like, we want Lando in this. How can we make that happen? I agree. But I will say I really like the moment with 
Poe and Lando where they say, well, there was, you know, like we had each other. Like that's very integral to the journey of the heroes at that movie. And I love that Lando is the person that ushers the galaxy to join this fight. I really like that. And I think if you are going to use Lando, Lando, other than some of the Pasana stuff, I think for myself, it's he's done so really well. Because also, ability is an old man. Like he is. he's not going to be like doing kicks and flips no, and stuff of like that. Not. He's yeah, okay. He's going to be he, wearing capes and walking around and looking like a boss, like yeah. and, which he does. Like uh, <laughs> I think if you're going to have someone who's primarily going to be sitting or standing, and you know that's not about that's about it. You know, uh, whose range of motion is a little limited. I. I think that they utilize him just fine. And I, yeah. I don't have an issue with that, especially in a movie that is filled with prior characters and is supposed to be a love letter to all of the Skywalker saga. I would think it would be weird to not have Lando in it. So I could to see me, that. it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I want to uh, move on here to talking about some TV shows where I think the discussion is a little bit more pertinent here because I have Mandalorian season one and Mandalorian season two. Now, if you look at those, Mandalorian season one doesn't really have anybody that I could think of. Almost IG-88, but it's not. <laughs> and almost Salacious Crumb, if that even is him, you know, like, but other than Fingers that. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed it's him. Just burning. Uh, yeah. Just roasting on a spit. How many herbs and spices does KFC have? 11. 11. I want 11 herbs and spices on <laughs> Salacious Crumb. <laughs> but if you look at season two. It's so many more. Well, like, I mean, everybody like describes it as the cameo of the week. Like, that, and that's where this, I guess, this topic really comes from is because of this season, which for me was kind of the first part where I was like, or the first time where I was kind of like, all right, guys, you know, what are we, what are we, what's, what are we doing here? Yeah. And I think it's maybe because season one was so limited and it was just these new characters and not really anybody else. So before season two came out, we knew that a lot of these characters were going to be in this because things had leaked. Yep. So when you saw these characters, even though it wasn't a necessarily a surprise, were you open to these ideas or did it kind of get you know, less open as the season went on. What was kind of your journey with this? I think some of the choices made sense. Um, having Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan makes sense as a character, even though she's there for one and a half episodes, really. Yeah. Um, which in and of itself is frustrating because it's like, okay, well, I could see how this character would be really important, but she's used as a cameo. Um, so like having Bo-Katan there and um, I think... I do think that having Ahsoka in is like, that's right on the border. That's on the line for me where it's like, I'd love to see a live action Ahsoka at the same time. Guys, what are we doing? Which, whose story are we telling? What story are we telling? Do we even know at this point? Like that, that's the frustration for me. I think for myself, it's really that fine line where some of these characters are perfect examples of what I want and kind of the rule of thumb to where it would be, oh, this character would work really well in this versus, well, we want to have this character. Let's figure out a way to make that happen. I think Cobb Vanth, great. Works. Great example of like, oh, we've got this, like John Favreau doesn't strike me as, and Dave Filoni's also not either. He's These guys aren't somebody who's like really super into the books and comics and all that kind of stuff. Dave Filoni's mostly a TV guy and movies and things like that. I don't think that they dislike it. I just don't think that that's the fandom that they're particularly interested in also busy guys you know yeah yeah <laughs> um, i could see john favreau being like you know i really want to have boba fett in this 
what if we did this? And the story group goes, well, actually, you've got this guy who's got his armor at this time, and he was in this story. And they go, great, let's put him in, and they include him. That is so organic and makes so much sense to me. And I love that Cobb Vanth is in it because, again, you have or have not read Aftermath, it's like it's not necessarily gonna like you don't feel like you're being left behind right but if you've read aftermath you're like oh my god this character who's like in this interlude in this huge book that's about all of these galaxy-wide events this one little character is being brought into live action that's crazy Mm -hmm. you know and a lot of these people like love timothy oliphant who's like portrays him he's on t-shirts and funko pops and he's on you know black series figures i love that kind of stuff but for myself watching this series the ones that got me a little bit more like all right guys you know uh, put me a bit more pause were the ones who were these huge characters like boba fett and ahsoka and and luke skywalker later on yeah bo katan was the one where i was like that makes so much sense seeing a different you know when we had heard like in season one that you know, uh, there were other Mandalorian like sects. Well, when Din Djarin, when they were like, I can't take my helmet off. A lot of people were like, what do you mean? Like, we've seen that all the time. And so when we started hearing about Katie Sackhoff returning to portray Bo-Katan, a lot of people were like, oh, that's going to be an interesting conversation. She's going to (laughs) pull her helmet off. And he is like, you are not Mandalorian, which eventually happens. You know, that is so interesting to me to offer Din Djarin an opportunity to see that other Mandalorian creeds are out there and other Mandalorian ways of life are out there and him defining himself wholly on this, this, this thing. And he talks about weapons, armor, religion, and things like that. How does he define himself as a Mandalorian? It's interesting to see him explore other people who are of a similar creed. With that being said, though, that's where my issues with Boba Fett start to appear. Oh, absolutely. Because to me, what we talked about earlier, when he pops up in that season, to me, he's mostly an action figure and not as important to his story. I'm not going to act like he doesn't serve a narrative purpose. Obviously, there is. There are themes there about like the, you know, if you live a life of violence and you continue down this path, this is what you will eventually become kind of thing. I get that. But I think that theme is already present with grogu when he does like the little force choke thing that's already kind of okay well if you continue down this path of violence this is what can happen like you know that's that theme is already apparent there so it kind of feels like a bit of a hat on a hat yeah boba fett isn't the person that i think of when i think of that theme sure it just isn't you know yeah especially when the show kind of feels like it's having its cake and eating it too if you're talking about the dangers of violence and then you have a guy who shows up and it's like and he's like kicking guys in the head and he's like cracking skulls and stuff and he literally turns around from like an explosion and it's behind him and all cool and awesome and people you know tweet gifts at it for the next 10 months you know thanks bob rodriguez (laughs) it's yeah bobby rodriguez it's 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 feels a little it's a similar issue that i have with vader and rogue one to where it's which we didn't talk about but it's like um kind of you know it's the similar thing to where it's like you're trying to show the horror of this thing or if you're trying to show fill in the blank theme or idea you can't just be like yeah but isn't it super cool (laughs) like to me that's a bit of a frustration um but i I do want to move into luke because we we talked about recently the technical side of it but now i think we have an opportunity to talk about the narrative implications of all of that so when you saw i guess okay let's start from before when when in in reference to ahsoka when din was on the look for jedi and knowledge about the jedi 
if you didn't know that Ahsoka was going to be in this, because we kind of knew, does Ahsoka make sense as the only character that Din Djarin could have met, or does he even have to meet anybody at all? Where, 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 where was your head at in regards to the Ahsoka of it all? And then after you saw her, the, her portrayal, did it surprise you? I yeah. think the problem there is it's already limited to begin with. Um, I mean, the big question is like, who else? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it could be frustrating for people that aren't familiar with Ahsoka. I can understand that. And they do an okay job of of bringing her in for new viewers and kind of explaining things. Um, but again, frustrating is they, they don't go much into the fact that she's not a Jedi anymore. And, you know, we we as an audience member have to realign our perspective with Din Djarin's who is so far removed from all of that, that, yeah. you know, he doesn't have any clue about it, but then jumping into a world that's so much inside baseball of like Ahsoka's character in and of itself, because she is such a developed character. Yeah. Um, There's also at a very specific point in her very journey, specific. You know? Yeah. And, and that's the other thing is they allude to other things and it's a backdoor, you know, a semi backdoor pilot for her own stuff with Thrawn. And, and that's frustrating in and of itself because feels a lot like there had to be an excuse to bring her in yeah um it feels a little transparent yeah, yeah. I, I agree um i think that if you if we were unaware of ahsoka entirely then it almost is more limited to say that you know if if we're trying to find a jedi specifically for grogu to meet then the next logical step of people that we know is luke skywalker mm-hmm. um which is unfortunate I think because then you're automatically going to have that reaction when, when it happens, you know, mm-hmm. inevitably. Um, so that's, I think that that's kind of the issue with writing yourself into that corner of like, okay, now we have to bring a person with a lightsaber in. Let's look at our, you know, let's look at our hand and see who, which card we can pick. Yeah. You know, and it's, and you've got three cards. Like, sure that that's just it just is what it is i think with ahsoka it's and my frustration with a lot of it is after i finished the season i was like wow din Djarin really did meet like three of the most iconic star wars characters in like a week or two you know like these huge titans of star wars like with boba fett luke skywalker i mean if you want to throw r2 in there you can as well i mean but he seems kind of like titan a real titan (laughs) (laughs) he seems like a pair with luke skywalker so i'll just consider it one but ahsoka as well it's just like it's dude's really like he was almost like at a wax museum he's like seeing like the most famous people and it was it just the the small universe thing kind of was a little bit more apparent to me and it quickly made dinjarin the least interesting character in his own show to where i wasn't even focused on him everyone i just focused on ahsoka mainly because i didn't want him to blow it because i'm i really care about that character but to me, I forget that it's the Mandalorian and I'm like, oh, well now it's who's going to be here this week. Yep. And I think long, like the long uh, version of the show or like the big picture of it all, I think that you can explore a lot of these ideas throughout the season. If this season was mostly about Grogu and trying to find a, a home for him and a Jedi home, if he would have met Ahsoka and then you know Luke at the end of the show and not a lot of people in between, and it's mostly his journey to kind of find his way, that's interesting to me. Even though that is his path in season two, a lot of these characters are kind of almost just like tour guides along the way. Yeah, yeah. Where like Ahsoka, her whole narrative 
importance to this is like, well, I can't help you, but you can go to this place and they'll help you. Right. To me, it doesn't seem the like, I feel like you can get that. It's kind of like when you go to a meeting and you're like, man, I really could have gotten that in, a, in an email. You know, <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. Like the narrative purpose that Ahsoka serves. It's like, man, a Jedi holocron really could have told me that. You know oh, what yeah, I mean? Or yeah. a book or something like that. Like a sacred Jedi text, if you will. Yes. Like th- that seems far more likely or something that would, you know, happen other than like Din Djarin's, even though he's kind of, it's kind of funny because he has no idea about any Jedi stuff and he just kind of stumbles along. He doesn't know that he's meeting like two of the most significant Jedi. Just the powerhouses. Yeah. Not only like the son of Darth Vader, but also the, per, like his Padawan too. It's just yeah. like, oh my God, like Din Djarin just like, gotta find a Jedi. Oh, I found two of the most important ones, you know, like in a span of a couple of days. like, are you a Jedi? I'm not really, I don't get it. It's like going to like, you know, like a, some craps table and you're sitting next to, you know, some super famous musician. You're just like just chatting with them. And they're like, did they know that I'm like super famous? <laughs> right, right. It's kind of like it's it's to myself, to my, for myself, it's just I think you could have its own season to where you have the Boba Fett and the, the Bo-Katan of it all to where like, OK, you know, Din Djarin has quote unquote completed this journey as a father. I don't think season three of the Mandalorian is going to deal with Grogu as much. That seems like the natural time to explore. Okay. You've gone through that journey. Now, what does it mean to find out who you are? You're, you've spent all that time finding out who Grogu is. What's his place in the story. Now what's your place in the story? Right. That seems like the natural time to explore that. And I really felt that Boba Fett could have been kind of a thorn in Dinjarin's side throughout the whole season for, for him to just be shown up in a couple of episodes, do some cool shit. And then they're and then like, literally leave. look at Boba Fett coming soon to Disney plus. I was just kind of like, all right. He seemed more of like an action figure is kind yep. of the way to put it. But yeah, I want to move on to the Bad Batch because a lot of people had frustrations with the Bad Batch because in that show alone, by far, the list that I have here is the longest. Um, It's insane. So I want to run uh, this down a little bit. And just in a few short episodes, we were introduced or reintroduced to Caleb Dune, Deba Balaba, Cad Bane, Finnick Shand, the Martez sisters, Captain Rex, Saw Gerrera, Grand Off Tarkin, Lama Su, Nala Se, Cut, Gregor, Toto, Hera, Chopper, and Sham Syndulla, as well as Eleni, who was previously mentioned in Rebels and Orn Free Ta. Who gets domed in the head. Still, still kicking though. I guess. I guess. That's what, that's what they tell me. But it's, it's worth noting. <laughs> when you look at this list or when you think back on the Bad Batch, was this an issue for you? Because going episode by episode, I think you're able to rationalize it. But when you think of all of these characters and you really get it listed down, you're like, hot damn, that is Whoa. a lot of people. Yeah. And now having time to kind of digest Bad Batch a little bit, now that's wrapped up in its entirety, how do you feel about a lot of the kind of, you know, freak of the week person as, I, a, I as it were? I generally think that most of it makes sense. Yeah. I don't think that like most if not all of them um do not feel out of place i think the only ones that are almost out of place are uh cham and harrison doula um only because it feels like they're devoted their own little mini episode to and it's really strange how the bad batch is there for five seconds they're the cameos (laughs) yes they are the cameo i'm not like that's not even a joke Uh, so like that in and of itself is frustrating, but I think that that's the only one for me that borders on like, not egregious, but like maybe just a little bit unnecessary. 
I yeah. think that Rex is maybe the other that it feels a little bit wasted because as as the most important clone trooper, um, it feels a little bit strange that he's like, well, I'm off doing my own thing and I'll see you around, I guess. And then we don't really see him around. Yeah. Um, we just have him for that little bit. It's like, okay, you really could have used someone like Rex in this story. Um, but also I understand the, the purpose that he serves. So I think that most of them, if not all of them are, to me are not like consequential in a way that like taints my view of it. Sure. And I think when you look at this list, there are some characters that I go, yes, that makes sense. Yeah. Cut being Cut, an example. Gregor, you know. Yeah, those are and those are the characters that I point to, especially in Alisei and Lamasu, because it's yeah. like, well, duh. Of yeah. course they're gonna be they almost are like the Chewbacca solo thing to where it's like, yeah. <laughs> the the show about the fall of Camino, yeah, it's gonna what have Camino. Yeah, yeah, what else would yeah, they be doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just on vacation that oh, week. Okay. Uh, they come back and they're like, What? No, what wait. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Cut and Gregor, we talked about a lot of the different paths presented to the Bad Batch, and they can go down this path and live this type of life, and and they're presented with this opportunity and this choice, which is such a key theme in Star Wars. I will say, though, that I do think in hindsight, a lot of some of these characters are a little redundant. In yeah. It's like they've already been presented that path. Do I need Saw Gerrera to present, present it to him again? You know, we, the answer is no. <laughs> My answer is no. Well, you have saw uh, Captain Rex and Saw Gerrera, who I think ostensibly are maybe it's almost like little detours within the own that path itself to where like Saw Gerrera is like you could they're both you can make a difference and use your powers for good and do, you know, bring a good in the galaxy where Captain Rex is like, oh, well, yeah, well, there's other clone troopers out there who need our help. You know, I think that path has already kind of paved a little bit for them. And I think that having too many of those kind of does muddy the waters a little bit. Yeah. Because then you throw in Hera and Sham Syndulla and the whole Syndulla family who also kind of propose that idea too. But I do like the ideas that, you know, when you see Ryloth and you like you see the transition that the empire is taking over the galaxy. That's interesting to me. And to be able to see this transition that the entire galaxy is seeing, but just, I think it's because you are so familiar with these characters that it kind of does take you out a, a little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. And especially in that one episode with where it's Heron like, Chopper is very noticeable, but especially because the bad batch is not in it. So yeah. it's one of those things that if you don't watch rebels, you're like, what the hell is going on? You right. know, and we're spending this with this random kid, you know, I think that that could be a bit of an issue for me, but I think like the Cad Bane, Finnick Shand of it all didn't bother me at all. No, I was like no, happy to not. see them here. It's like, we were going to have bounty hunters who are searching for the thing. What do you want? Some, I mean, I guess you could introduce somebody new. Zuckus. Give me Zuckus. Sure. But that's kind of the same issue that people could have. It's like, yeah. oh, what kit would fan service to just have this? Like, it's like, well, no, like I, I, I kind of want to see bounty hunters that I know of that way yeah. we could establish how much of a threat this is. Yeah. Even, even going as far as to like, if you're going to introduce like where it's like, okay, this idea would be present now who do we put in there yeah having someone like caleb dune as the 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 opening with you know where do we where do we start off here okay it obviously has to be order 66 is it going to yeah. be something random is it going to be something vague is it going to be something obvious and then it's like okay well why don't we just throw in caleb dune yeah like that feels good 
you yeah. know. I can understand how people get frustrated, especially because of the canon connections and everything. And the you know, same with Orange Free Ta, where it's like, well, you kind of are immediately contradictory in some, uh, you know, something that's established in canon. I can get that. To me, Caleb Dune, um, I think that's another one I'd be willing to hear an argument for. It doesn't really bother me that much. It's just yeah. kind of like, it could be anybody, you know, it could be George Lucas's son that's in, you know, the Revenge of the oh Sith. Oh my goodness, it's like yeah. A character like that to where it's just like, it's a Padawan, who? Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, they're, yeah. they're going to get killed anyway. Um, I, to me, it's just kind of like, sure. You know, I think yep. that narratively, I, I understand wanting to include somebody. I also understand maybe just wanting to, if you introduce somebody else, you could maybe take a bit more risks. Like I get it to me, but it's it's not really worth the fight. Um, people like Grand Moff Tarkin makes sense for me. I understand why they're in the show. Yeah. Um, I don't really see like a lot of, you know, frustration there. You know, characters like Toto, yeah, of course they're gonna be with Cad Bane. I get it, you know. Right. I think for myself, I would just I think a rule of thumb for the Bad Batch for myself is did we already kind of okay, so we uh, asking the questions of like, okay, we need a character to facilitate this narrative purpose to show the Bad Batch this path, whether it be doing kind of odd and end jobs and you have the Rancor who is like may or may not be Jabba's. We don't really know. Right. You know, I guess that can count as a character too. So you have like this path, you have the path of use your abilities for good, or you can kind of, you know, take the easy way and just kind of relax and start a family. What character can we use to facilitate that? And once you kind of meet that criteria, then it seems kind of inevitable that you would just kind of be doubling up. Like if you're just going to yeah. go over that yeah. again and it just seems kind of redundant, I would think that having that explored once would be enough. But I think when you start to do it again and again, the narrative importance starts to go by the wayside and it starts to feel a little bit more like, well, who's going to pop up this week? Right. And you can point, there's enough things to point to that here in bad batch i think that like character wise it's not offensive but narratively that makes sense and i think a great example of that is that episode where you have the bad batch who are like breaking that administrator out of prison and then just a few episodes later you have them doing kind of a similar job but with Hera. yeah it's like those are both kind of covering the same thing but one of them is just with characters that we don't know yeah. and the other is characters that we know very well you know so i think that there's ways that you can cover it and be a bit more creative and introduce new characters. Then there's ways that seem a bit more reverse engineered to yeah. where you go. We want Hera in the show. How do we make that happen? Versus this is an inevitability for this character who, why, like, why wouldn't it be Hera? You know? Yeah. And I think that that's where you can have a lot of frustrations with fans. Um, but other than that, I think that kind of uh, concludes our discussion of cameos, unless you have anything else you would like to add. Uh, I think my closing thought, cause I alluded to this before. Yes. My most egregious cameo in all of star Wars. Okay. Let's do I, that. Let's say what's your favorite, least favorite. Okay. Favorite cameo. Boy, now I got to think, I think uh, I'll go with this. I'll go with an easy one. Favorite cameo because it deserves kind of this endgame, Avengers endgame moment where it's like, okay, who's in the galaxy and who do we care about? Okay. Uh, favorite Star Wars cameo, Wicket in The Rise of Skywalker is the best part of the movie. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I literally just popped into my head because I was like, oh my God. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's because it just makes me happy, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there's nothing narrative the fact that about he's there it. with his son and everything. Yeah. The best. Oh, great. Most egregious, and this is the one I was alluding to earlier, Saw Gerrera in jedi fallen order interesting makes me very upset yeah i think that he is one of those characters where it's like 
it could be a litany of other people. Sure. And it's just like, wow, Forrest Whitaker again. Okay. <laughs> He's doing the same thing. And yeah. Okay. You know, you know sure. what I mean? Sure. Sure. I think my favorite, just of the cameos, one who just kind of pop up and you're like, oh, cool. Like, ah, it's tough. I'm, I'm looking through here. And the, the, as far as just the kind of, that's fun. Like, that's cool for them to do that. The weasel is really neat because that's yeah. such a deep cut. Yeah. But also, I think it was so great to be able to see uh, Wedge Antilles again, you know, to be able to see him pop up in The Rise of Skywalker was great. I wish they would have done a little bit more with Snap. I think it's a good pick, yeah. Um, but I will I, I don't think that that is my official pick. I okay. will probably say that I really love the idea that they included uh chopper in the rogue one yeah and they just like made an actual you know droid just to throw them in the background like i, I love that kind of Great. stuff yeah. i would say my least favorite of these actually yeah i'm gonna uh, whatever uh my least favorite uh it's looking through this list is it here. maul and solo because that's my clothes uh, it's not my it's not my least favorite I, being able to see yeah the, you know Ray park and sam what we're coming back is, is pretty cool I will say my least favorite. I'm gonna I'm padding for time here. He's padding for time. He's. I'll say his... I'll, this is maybe a hot take, but I will say it's not a cameo. But as far as these like returning characters, uh, I'm changing my answer. Okay. I, I'm because I'm, I'm, I was going off of this purely cameo, but no I, hot I, takes I, here. Out of this whole list, I'll say my favorite returning character that was utilized really well as Bo-Katan. Okay. That made, made me so happy. The costume looks incredible. Looks great. Katie Sackhoff is just like, I'm so happy that she was able to come back and do that. So I'd say that's my favorite. Okay. Contrastly though, I'd say my least favorite is probably Boba Fett. Yeah. And I think In it's because Bo-Katan is, is close with Cobb Vanth, but like I would say it's mostly because of what I think the possibilities were. I think having Boba Fett, who's, Maybe, maybe not a Mandalorian. Like it's, it's, right. you know, it's made more clear in the show, but, but like, he's, he, he feels very used. I think it, I didn't feel as organic to me and it felt that's the most egregious example I can think of. That was like, and tune in for the book of Boba Fett in this fall on yeah. Disney plus, you know, yeah. like I, uh, I think they could have been done so much more. And the fact that he's mostly a commercial, just kind of, kind of frustrated. Yeah, me. no, I agree. Yeah. But I think I think that means it's time to wrap up, right? Time to wrap it up like a like a Christmas box of gifts. Let's wrap it up. Thank you guys <laughs> so much for tuning in with us. We hope you learned something today. If there are any topics or bits of news you think we should cover, you can head to our Twitter, shoot us a message at scumvillainpod. But for now, this has been Scum and Villainy with Noah to George and Garrett McDowell. And may the force be with you. We'll see you next time. See you guys. <laughs>